Welcome to Mood Readers, a book review podcast where three friends conquer their TBR list eventually. Hey everybody, welcome to Mood Readers. It's me, your friend, Emily Bronte, here with my friends, Nora Redacted and Jane Austen. And we are all having a great week. Jane, are you having a great week? Having an amazing time. That's fantastic. I'm having a great week, but let me tell you, friends and listeners, nobody is having as good a week as my friend, Nora Redacted. Nora, why are you having such a good week? Because, friends, I am going to see Taylor Swift Sunday. And so that's how many days away is that? Three three days? Two days? Two, three yeah, days. Two, two or three, three days. days. <laughs> I can't even I can't even keep track of it. I feel like it should be tomorrow, but yes. more importantly, like, do you have your outfit ready? All your accessories. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So I'm not a Swifty just for the internet. And like, but I know that you, the outfit is of the utmost importance. I'm not a thousand percent sure why, but I know that it's important. I've seen a lot of TikToks about it. <laughs> I've seen a lot of TikToks criticizing all the fast fashion that's going to go away after the concert series is over. That's not Tay's fault. Tell us about your outfit. What is going on? I had friends who went to every single of the three nights in Tampa. So I got like three full days days of like outfit 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 which is really what I once again as also not not a Swifty but I love the excitement around an event so I've been so excited (laughs) for all of my friends groups as she's shifted across the country so yes okay well friends I have been thinking about this for months and I have been stressed out about it for months trying to figure out what I was gonna do my first thought was I've been I've been party to it I've been listening (laughs) I have sent like screenshots of, oh my gosh, I'm going to get this. And then, you know, there was a time where I actually bought something. Guess what? I'm not wearing it because I've changed my mind. But (laughs) my first thought was, oh, I'm going to be an era. This is her era's tour. So I chose chose an album and I was like, okay, I'm going to be the Evermore album, which is very like ethereal, witchy, like fantasy, fun. And so I had this kind of peasant dress situation. I was going to wear like a uh, crystal flower crown and just go with those vibes. And I was like, okay, this is going to be a long event. I don't know if I'll be comfortable. So comfort is key. And we can always use those things for, you know, cosplay and fairy stuff in the future. I think that's a very fair point. Being friends with us, you're going to use your cottage core fairy look at some point. Right. So I went a different direction. I went a different direction and got like a skater skirt, which is like a high waist, A-line black skirt. And then I have a shirt that is a line from one of her newest songs that says, Karma is a cat purring in my lap because it loves me. And it's got like a a cat, which looks like her cat. I mean, it looks like her actual cat. So. <laughs> I'm very excited about that. And then the best part is a red sparkly bomber jacket, which pays yes. homage to, yeah, it pays homage to both oh her album God. Red and her album 1989, which is very much like 80s fun. And then I've got hair jewels. I've got these little clips <laughs> that are in shape of hearts. I've got the friendship bracelets. I'm probably going to wear my Vans for comfort and that'll look cute. Everything I've heard has been like the footwear, no heel. Like you yes. need to do something that you're going to stand three plus hours in and That's then a walk, very good point. walk a mile to your car when yes. it's over. 
Yes, like, no, I'm, I mean, at first I was going to wear Crocs, and then I was like, I don't know if I can actually do that, because I feel <laughs> like I would, let you in. Well, I have little, okay, so I bought Crocs, and then these little uh, Taylor Swift charms to go on them, and they're very cute. I'm just going to wear them in real life. I will just wear, do it. Yeah, just do it. I will absolutely wear those in real life, but I do think I will feel cuter in my Vans rather than Crocs. So they're just as comfortable. So we're just going to go with Vans and then I'm just going to wear my Crocs on the reg like I usually do, but with the Taylor Swift charms. (laughs) Now, is any part of you disappointed that you're already married so that you cannot get proposed to in the way that everyone is getting proposed to during her concerts? People are sure. getting proposed to left, at the right, and center. Yes. Nora, this is why you do a phone so you can get the Swifty content that you are missing. We TikTok, talked about this. Everyone is getting engaged during um that song. Love her. Marry me, Juliet. Yeah. Oh, that. I don't want to be alone. Oh, that song. Okay. It's so. That particular line. That's all TikTok is. Is a bunch of people getting Just. engaged during that song. Yeah. Okay. I would personally hate to get engaged oh, to that song. I would rather get engaged during Lover because that is based, oh that song God. is pretty much about, I mean, that one's pretty much about like finding, you know, like your person. It's all about like, like she says, I swear to be over dramatic and true to my lover. And that's, it's all about like being together forever. So I would rather get proposed in that one, but I, the, personality type that I am I would hate getting engaged in public like I made sure that when we got engaged it was just us and I made that very Uh clear that I didn't I didn't want it to be Mm. like a big thing so no I'm good I'm gonna let (laughs) I'm gonna let the the Gen Z crowd let them have that one listen they're having a good time they're all really cute everyone is so excited for them and so maybe during the concert, you should, during that song, look around to see where the action is coming from. I should. I probably won't because I really can't see myself caring about that. But um, Oh, my gosh. I love maybe. watching someone else's public engagement. Yeah, but like, not mine, be, but someone else's. I'm going to be focused on today. I really cannot see myself caring about that. <laughs> maybe I'll toss them a Savage. friendship bracelet. I'll just, I'll toss them a friendship bracelet and say, good luck. Go. Good luck. <laughs> wow. Nora is out here I running wild. I did make a friendship bracelet, but I don't plan on giving it to anyone because it's one of my favorites that I've made that says, baby, just say yes, which is from Love Story, which is yeah. that song story thank you (laughs) and it is one of my husband's like it's one of his favorite taylor swift songs and i think it's because it plays in his workplace a lot so he's heard Uh it the most sure and so i've started appreciating it more because he has been like i really like this song and i'm like you do (laughs) your husband is a swifty Oh, he is a Swifty. He really oh is. He and would so, have to be to go to this concert. Like, you can't just be bringing your no. significant other just because they're your significant other. No. Like, fans only. Yeah. And I was trying to find him a shirt. And I would I would type in, like, masculine Taylor Swift shirt. Because he's not going to wear, like, one of the ones I would wear. Right. And a lot of them were, like, Swifty husband or, like, Swifty boyfriend. And it's like, he was like, no, I'm an actual Swifty. I'm an actual I Swifty. I don't want it to be like, oh, I'm just here with my wife. I actually enjoy Taylor Swift's music. So, so he's this got is, a cute one. Yeah. 
I can definitely see this. This is very Mr. Redacted. I totally see this. <laughs> like he, I can absolutely hear him being like, well, no, I'm not just here. I, like, this is my thing too. Yes, it is Mr. Redacted. God bless. It is. It is very much my thing, but he is going to have a great time too. That's so cute. <laughs> that sounds I'm, like so much fun. I'm very excited for you guys. Yeah, that's I'm awesome. dying. It's all I can think about. It is why I have not been reading very much the past couple of weeks because I sit down to read and I just get on Instagram and I just scroll the Taylor Swift reels. That's all I look at. Look at like Eras tour, past tours. It's all I can think about right now. That's fair. That's very it's gonna exciting. be so fun. That sounds amazing. Similarly to Nora not being able to stop thinking about her thing, I personally have been living my life really large as well. My daughter, who is six, has been obsessively watching and forcing, the really holding the rest of the family hostage and forcing us to watch Full House, which is uh, <laughs> on reruns on Hulu. And what's great is that since it's streaming and we have a Hulu account, you can just watch it forever. Just watch it <laughs> over and over. And now that she understands how to use a remote, there's nothing stopping her. Short of tackling her and ripping it from her tiny little monkey hands, nothing stops her from watching Full House. Y'all, we have watched from season one through eight and then back again. Okay, so now we're back on season two for oh. the second time. <laughs> I have watched a lot of Full House. So uh, she she is doing to Full House what you do to Gilmore Girls. Oh man, you didn't have to oh, point that out. That's this is not a cool. genetic trait. It's <laughs> a genetic thing. Okay, but I don't hold the rest of the world hostage. They all go to bed, and then I like obsessively watch Gilmore Girls. <laughs> but but this kid is like, hey everybody, turn on Full can't House. Do that. <laughs> and then if you don't, she cries, and it's like heart wrenching because she's all cute and stuff. It's a bunch this of is, bullshit. We got to get her a TV in her room, and but then uh, she'd never come out. She'd never leave. Yeah, <laughs> and she talks about these people like they're real people. She'll be like, "Hey, mom, Michelle got a dog." And I was like, who? Oh, TV Michelle? Okay. Also, after I finished Manacled, I have gone back to Monster Smut, man. Hard and heavy on the Monster Smut because there's nothing better than a good smut fest to <laughs> bring you out of a reading depression. So I'm like watching Full House and reading Monster Smut on my Kindle at the same time. And it's doing weird things to my brain. I recently read a bunch of books by Cleo Evans. Mm -hmm. Cleo is besties with Bestie of the Pod, Ashley Bennett. We love you, mm -hmm. Ashley. Cleo is an amazing author. Yeah. Yeah. So I was all like, Monster Smut is cozy and charming and it's happy. Most Monster Smut is. But Cleo writes dark Monster <laughs> Smut. <laughs> yes. Cleo writes dark Why Choose Monster Smut. There are just so many monster parts flying around. <laughs> Somebody's going to lose an eye. And it's great. So I'm reading this and <laughs> I'm watching Full House and I was like, I wonder how that would work. Like, <laughs> so you've got Danny Tanner, you got Uncle Jesse, obviously. Yeah. Then you've got, but then you've got Joey. Okay, so I'm also a person who is like, I'll get really bored, so I'll read Wikipedia or whatever about whatever crazy show we happen to be watching. And the description page for Joey in Full House is like, Joey takes on the more maternal role, cooking, cleaning, and watching after the children. And I was like, yeah, I bet he does. Like, <laughs> I, bet. I bet he does. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure Danny Tanner slash Bob Saget is in charge. Because even though 
he is a little bit, he's not very aggressive as a personality. Like he's Mr. Dad Hug, but mm-hmm. he's also Mr. Dad Voice. If you get he trouble, is. Danny Tanner's going to tell you what's up. So I'm pretty sure he's in charge. It is his house after all. And he does bring home the money and pay the mortgage. He's like our alpha. Yes. Our but I feel like, okay, so one of the interesting things that I read in my, in Doves and Demons was like, there were kind of two alphas because it was a four part situation mm-hmm. happening. So it was kind of two. One was like actual alpha. The other one was kind of like beta, but then he was just like on the opposite end of things. And then the two of them did not really interact a whole lot. Mm-hmm. They were just at the same event. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I, I feel like. I've read enough. Like- I've read enough white cues. <laughs> I'm right there with you. You're like, yes, okay, got I, it. I got it. So I feel like Danny Tanner is over here, Alpha at the head. I feel like Jesse is probably bringing up the rear. I feel like Joey is definitely somewhere in the middle, but he is definitely more connected to Danny. He's got more of like a friendship relationship with Jesse. Like they're more equals because they both don't mm-hmm. pay rent. But then, right. you know, Danny's the one paying the rent and he's Joey's childhood friend. So I feel like they've got some stuff going on there. Things get really interesting in season two when Lori Laughlin shows up, Becky. <laughs> and that's where it starts to get weird. I can't, I literally cannot walk full house without thinking about this and be like, how would that work? Where would he yeah. stand? I'm not really where sure. Would, where would Becky fit into all of this? Well, based on my Cleo Evans readings, I have some ideas. <laughs> she just sort of takes turns. She's somewhere in the middle. I love this because Jesse, <laughs> Uncle Jesse is also, he's a musician, obviously. Mm-hmm. And he, so that makes him like. He's a bad boy. Emotional, but also yeah. a bad boy. And yeah, like, he doesn't bring home any money, but he's a bad boy. Yeah, I feel like he could fit like either. Like he could be like alpha or omega. Or he's, I mean, he's probably more of like the beta, one of those, you know, mid Greek words. Yeah. You know, Greek alphabet. Somewhere in the middle there. Yeah. (laughs) He's the gamma. He might be the gamma. (laughs) (laughs) So it got me thinking like, I have done Full House. Are there other shows that would turn really interesting if they were? romance version of themselves characters that are not together how would they work together what would that look like would that be an interesting romance novel Ooh, i mm-hmm. got one you got one okay tell us i got one all right sort of the same time period as full house so i don't really know <laughs> what was happening in like the early 90s uh, we're that- <laughs> in the water man you're right i think it's us i don't think it's the early 90s i think it's us millennials and where our brains have developed to you at this point it's the drama yep. <laughs> it's just the trauma it is because immediately my immediate thought was oh you know where this would work and would be an interesting romance trope is home improvement obviously oh my god (laughs) if you don't know what home improvement is you're too young to be listening to this podcast so turn it off move on it's rated explicit you're not welcome here you're too young oh my god Clearly, so this is set up. We've got Tim Taylor, the husband, Jill Taylor, the wife, their three kids. The children aren't involved in any of these, obviously. No, no. I say with mine. Yeah. But Tim has his really close working relationship with Al Borland on he their sure show, show Tool Time. <laughs> Al Borland's right. like a little time. Al Borland's like a little like grumpy bearish. Uh-huh. Tim's like the little goofy one. And maybe, you know, they're filming, they work late nights. One spark leads to another. 
another owl fills something in Tim's life that he's been lacking. The only problem with that is like, Hell what about something. Jill? <laughs> yeah, what, what about, about Jill? Jill? She's over here. She's yeah. at home all day long with the kids. You know, he's also at home all day long peeking over the fence. Oh, it's Wilson. It's Wilson. So immediately I was like, clearly Jill and Wilson, yes. Tim and Al, we got Perfect. tool time. We got the home people who are watching over the kid. I mean, they're fulfilling their roles. The two yeah. men are bringing in the money and getting together and getting it on. And then Jill and Wilson are like maternally watching over yeah. things at home. It works huh. out perfectly. So everyone has a happily ever after, but Tim and Jill can also maintain their, you know, heteronormative relationship for the yeah. children. That is perfect. You know, I Al like does, he has a major, very crisp, might I add, beard. He's got yes, a very crisp, clean beard. Mm -hmm. He only wears flannel. Who who does not love a man in flannel? Right? I do. Beard. That's perfect. It's a little messed up because I totally watched that all throughout my childhood. <laughs> but you know. Tim Allen is very alpha. I mean, he'll tell you. And I kind of love it just mm -hmm. in general because I think Tim Allen as like a human being is like kind of an ultra conservative and like uh -huh. I think we don't like him anymore, even though I loved home improvement. So Same. I think this just serves him right to yeah. use him in this scenario. Like here's yeah, he what would your hate legacy. It. He would hate like, it and we love that. Yeah. Well, we're we're more important here. So, so. whoever writes fanfic out there, if you can yeah. uh, write my yes. home improvement fanfic. What if it's already out there? I just really think Tim Taylor and Al Borland is like this beautiful relationship that I would yeah. love to read about. I am going to go ahead and do another podcast letter to Cleo Evans. Dear Cleo, it's your friend, Emily. We haven't met. Could you yes. please? Oh, we know Ashley. Yes. But we, know know Ashley. Ashley. we know Ashley. <laughs> and we love your work. And I am super excited excited about her new book that's coming out on May 3rd or 9th. I don't remember. Could you write like a one page smut scene from Full House? Just so I can. I just have so many questions. I would just <laughs> like some answers. We need from answers for you. Yeah, I mean, I need my home, my home improvement tool time. They could do that too. Yeah. There's a plethora of tools we could be using. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sincerely, your friend, Emily Bronte. Thank you. Okay, Nora, what you got? You know, I based mine off of like basically who's the hottest in my particular one. Love and that. I just, I went with a why choose type situation, but I wanted to involve, you know, sometimes when you read a why choose, it's like you've got one woman and then you've got like five men or mm -hmm. something, but I wanted like men and women, like multiple involved. And so I chose Grey's Anatomy. Yes. So Perfect. I'm currently in season 10. No spoilers. My spoilers, spoilers will stop there. Everyone in my dream scenario is still alive. We'll just say that right there. Younger listeners, if you're still here, you probably have heard of this one. You've probably <laughs> watched, watched at least it a is, little bit of it's it. It's still on TV. <laughs> You Listen, I finished season nine and I was trucking straight into season 10 because I need to know if someone who maybe was questionably alive at season nine and made it into season 10. <laughs> so I immediately, but then Netflix was really rude and it was like, you're starting season 10 of 18 seasons. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> me. I'm only halfway through what is currently on Netflix. 
split. Right. Anyways. Wow. It's a lot. I'm not saying it still should be going, but it's it's a lot. Anyway, this is a show that I've rewatched several times, not rewatched all the way through, but at least rewatched like probably the first at least six to eight seasons, three or four times. So my why choose Grey's Anatomy situation, I haven't figured out the dynamics yet, but I just want to see what happens. So obviously we have Meredith, we have Izzy, we have mm-hmm. Alex Karev. We have oh, I love Alex. trying to Me remember too. which one is Alex. He's cranky. He's like the angry one. Yeah. He's, what is he he ends up going into peds and he's like really great with like the babies and stuff, but he's the angry one from their class. Okay. He's kind of like a, he's, he comes off in the first couple of seasons as like a man ho. Like, yeah. He, okay. He like sleeps right. around, but yeah. he's got like the troubled child. Does he have like yeah. a, does he have like a stubble? On his jaw situation thing going on. You know what? It doesn't matter. Just keep going. I'm going <laughs> to take myself out here. So Alex is there. And then, of course, I have to have McDreamy and McSteamy. So that's Derek and Mark. Derek Shepard and Mark Sloan. And then also, just I just wanted to throw something weird in there. And we're going to involve Lexi. Yeah. Lexi is Meredith's half-sister. And so I just, you know, I just wanted to throw in something wild. While Meredith is there. Yes, Meredith yeah. oh, is there. Okay, okay, yeah. I mean, hey. And Izzy, like, so this is going to make some like interesting dynamics yes. because At Meredith and Derek. Yes, Meredith end up and Derek married. end up married. Lexi, but Derek had like a little something with Lexi when whoa. he and Meredith were on the outs, and he didn't realize that Lexi was her sister. When Lexi whoa. first gets there, there's like a moment in the bar where it's like oh, a, yeah. they almost, but then they don't, and then it's like surprise, I'm your half sister because Meredith didn't know about Lexi. Right. Oh my God. Oh, Grace is so. I mean, like I don't. Oh, even, Shonda knows. Yeah, so I don't Shonda even, has written this fanfic. I don't feel like I have to like set it up and have all this stuff figured That's out. Fair. We just got to yeah. put all these characters in one room and just watch and just see what happens because you've got Meredith and Derek end up getting married. Lexi and Mark are together. I can't remember if they end up getting married or not, but they're like each other's person. Yeah. And then Izzy and Alex have have something. So within my like six people group, everyone in the show has a couple, but that's not how it's going to be in my book. It's going to be no. everyone gets to be with whoever they want and just this spiciness. Yes, spiciness. All of it, all of the sex, boom, happen. Yeah, Alex would definitely get with Lexi, and I think Izzy and Meredith. I think so, too. And I would love to see a Derek and Mark, please. (laughs) I would watch that. Okay, yeah, now you have my attention. (laughs) Someone give me that, and then I also would love to see Meredith with Mark and just all the different, I just would love all the different combos of that situation. I love this. Meredith and Alex end up being pretty close. And so that would also be very entertaining for me is to see um, them get together. I'd like to see like an Alex Mark situation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that would yeah. be good because they're both kind of like more of the egotistical yeah. sort of. I wouldn't say shy, but like when they say something, it like has a hit. Like they say something and it's meaningful and it's also like sassy and like, bam, my a little drop. bit hot. Yeah. Yes. I like it. Grace is just filled with like hot people. <laughs> 
It and really they're all is. stressed out. And they mm-hmm. all sleep together. Because they're so stressed out. They're so stressed <laughs> out. But yeah. they spend their life at the hospital and they have all these convenient on-call rooms. And, uh-huh. and I mean, where else are you going to do it? Yeah. I remember this from ER kids. That's a movie <laughs> yep. that came that, I and mean, that's a show that came out a long time ago that I watched. Also but it had, was a lot aired, of hot had a lot of hot people. This is how the world met George Clooney, except it for is. those of us who were watching golden girls when George Clooney showed up. But yeah, it was the same principle. It was like, we're all here all the time. We're really smoking hot. And we all know we all have keys to the janitor closet. <laughs> so let's do this. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Cool. That was weird, and I like it. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some books now. Jane, what have you been reading? Okay, so on you might remember several weeks ago we did an episode and we mentioned uh, some future TBRs of trans books r- about mm-hmm. trans people or written by trans authors. And at the time, I was living in the capitalistic hellscape that I was involved in, and I was like, unfortunately, I cannot support trans readathon because capitalism. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. And since then, I have broken up with capitalism. Woo! Yeah, my job. And so I thought I might as well put my money where my mouth is and read one of the four books I presented. So obviously, I I chose the one that I already had on my bookshelves. So tonight I am reviewing The Honeys by Ryan LaSala. Okay. As you might remember, at the time I was like, Oh, his sister that he's sort of gotten estranged with went to this camp and he wants to find out more about her life. And I think it's it's like the Heathers. That was just me reading the synopsis. And I was like, a gang of girls together always makes me think of the Heathers. I was wrong. This book is nothing like the Heathers. (laughs) So I would just like to start there and say, sorry, guys. That was the wrong movie to compare it with. (laughs) Okay. As I was reading it and I was visually thinking about sort of like the atmosphere of where it's going, because this is a YA horror book, the atmosphere that the author has created with this is definitely Midsummer and not the Heathers. And uh, I am obsessed with Midsummer. I saw it once and it has never left my brain since the one time I saw it. It's Oh, so man. good. It's so, it's like very slow and you sort of like get lulled into like the atmosphere of the movie and what's happening. And then it's like, bam, something horrific happens. But then everyone pretend like it's just normal. And so you sort of like, like, did I see? No. Did I see? Am I like whatever? And then it lulls you back into sort of this like cultish sort of vibe. And that's exactly what this book Oh, terrifying yeah it's great so with the honeys it starts off the very first chapter it's like this horrific scene where you meet our main character and there's this incident with his sister and it was like so wild that i immediately was like he's gonna wake up from a dream but he doesn't it's it's just chapter one it's his what? life this is how we're starting off Ew. Oh, man. and so i won't say exactly what happens but his twin sister dies at the beginning of the mm. chapter and these girls come to the funeral. They're from the summer camp, this like rich people summer camp. We're in like New England and his mom is a senator and his dad does whatever. And so we're at rich people 
Caroline's dead. Her summer camp friends show up at the funeral and he sees something like a little weird as they lean over the casket. He's sort of like been growing distant from his twin sister and with her death and the way that it happened. He's mm-hmm. like, there's something here that I need to find out. So he agrees to attend Aspen Conservancy summer camp to sort of like find out what was up with his sister and the honeys. Those are the girls from Cabin H. What was going on with them? Because that's who she was closest to at the end of her life. The girls in Cabin H, the honeys, they're called that because they're the beekeepers of this rich people summer camp. So everyone has their like... Oh job their major the thing that they do there's crafting people there's theater people there's ecology people Mm -hmm. and then there's the girls in cabin h that take care of the bees they sell their honey at farmers markets it's all very cute okay they're legit okay they're legit beekeepers i don't know what i was thinking (laughs) i i was yeah but okay i was like oh so they're the I was like, they're the keeper of the people. Yeah, they're legit. Yeah, there's like okay. legit beehives and stuff. And, well, that's um, cool. cool. Yeah, okay. that's really so, cool. So Mars, our main character, he agrees to go back to this camp, and this that's is just cool surprising. Name. So his name is Marshall, but he is gender fluid, oh. non-binary. So he prefers Mars. Love it. Cool. And he uses all the pronouns he, him, she, her, they, them, like, doesn't matter. Because he fluctuates through what he is. And so Mars agrees to go back to the camp, but there he hadn't gone for years because of an incident. Because, as you know, famously, all of our super rich white people camp, they had, like, this whole battle of the sexist things. Mm. These terrible incidents happened to Mars the last time that they were there. Mm. And just was like this is not for me it's not okay the camp has since changed it from battle of the sexes to like victory cup or something like that but it's just like a sort of a pandering theme everything is still divided out by the sexes the genders so mars shows up at camp and we watch his relationships with the boys in his cabin that he's put in the older boys mars is 17 but then we also watch him trying to get in with the girls in cabin h because that's what he's there for to like yeah. figure out investigate yeah what was going on with her sister his sister that led to the incident in chapter one of the book and it's just this is so well written the thing about horror books is like you get really distracted by the horror so it's so easy for the author to like present to you what they're really talking about and this book was yeah this book was clearly an an exploration of grief he's grieving his sister Uh, And we're going through the sort of atmospheric, like, things are kind of weird, and then they, like, peter out, and they're a little weird again, and they peter out. But it is all about Mars's journey through his grief over unexpectedly losing a sister that he used to be so close to, but then he had Mm -hmm. sort of grown apart and sort of exploring how that happened and why it happened. And when their paths diverged. Grieving that relationship. Mm -hmm. Even yeah. before her passing. Exactly. So it's mm. just, it was so beautifully written in that regard. And then when the weird things do happen, you're like, is it Mars? Is it the ultra masculine boys in that relationship that's being pressed on, you know, like our male children as they grow up? Is right. it the girls in Cabin H, the honeys, who oh sort of are like above the law and no one really knows what's going on? Is it 
the feminine mystery in general of the world that men don't understand and that's why they're always trying to keep us like tamped down oh like, ooh, cool. <laughs> it was so good and i like i couldn't believe it was ya because it's like very dark it's YA? yes but oh it was God. like i don't know the the journey through the grief was the beautiful like just the really compelling part of this book. So I highly recommend it, Nora, especially for you, because Nora has a thing with bees just in general as sort of like <laughs> I do. her animal. I do. Motif. Yeah. So like the bee motif, the grief journey, and then just like the beautiful writing. This was amazing. But I just want to read, once again, the dedication. So this book is dedicated to the girls who took me in when the boys kicked me out. Fuck yeah. I love that. that. This is the type of book that at the end, I was like really proud to be a girl who welcomed others no matter what. Like the power that we, that feminism has to include everybody within it is like really Mm -hmm. powerful. And I felt that throughout this book. Like I felt that dedication throughout this book. I love this. I love love that. So I like five stars. This was for me to me. This was a great recommendation. (laughs) Way to go, Jane. Um, And yeah, this was just like, it was completely surprising. I had like almost zero expectations and it was just, it was so good. I think this is such an important book for, you know, like especially the Gen Z crowd. Like this is a great, like, I don't know. I can't get enough. Cool. It was so good. That and then it's awesome. entertaining too. So like, yeah, it was a lot of, I found a lot of like why horror and why a thrillers to always be like, they leave you like they are not wanting more, but they leave you like dissatisfied. Like you need it more mm. from yeah. it. So that's, that's really cool that there's, We've got a good one out there. <laughs> I, I needed nothing from the end of this book. Like, I thought awesome. it was perfect. Yeah. I would like to borrow that at some point. It's mm-hmm. available to be borrowed. Excellent. Same. This I've spoken about this before, and I stand by it, goddammit. I think horror books are not about being scared. They are about processing other stuff. The stuff yeah. that actually scares us. And it's usually grief self-identity or like the horrible realization that the universe is chaos and bad things can happen to anybody even if you're good but then at the end of it if it's good horror you come out like i'm alive and like yes humanity is beautiful and horror so good there was this great analogy if you're someone who doesn't quite understand what being gender fluid is or non-binary they made this great analogy in the book where mars the main character is like you know a lot of my life feels like float he's at this lake and he's like floating in the lake and you have the one shore is the feminine side the other shore is the masculine side and sometimes i'll like stop in at the shore but i'm most comfortable floating in the middle then he also Yeah, he also goes on to say that you think when you look at a lake, you see two shores, but actually when you're in the lake, there's all these hidden shores. Yeah. So you could be landing at any one of them. And I just thought like for anybody, like not just young adult, but for anybody that was that analogy was such a great way to sort of help visualize what maybe being gender fluid actually is or feels like, you know, because we can all want to support something but not quite understand it. So one of the reasons why we should be reading books by Mm -hmm. authors with different experiences to our own, because then we can really start to understand like, okay, I kind of get it because you explained it to me. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's an analogy I would never have thought of. And it's an incredibly beautiful image. Like, that's so cool. And appropriate for fancy rich people summer camp, which no one should ever go to <laughs> just in general. Like, what are you doing? Look what happened in dirty fancy. <laughs> <dancing. laughs> Look what right. happened. My parents tried to force me to a summer camp. It oh. wasn't like that kind. It was just like a during the day. It was just like your average, like, like day camp. Day camp. Yeah, okay. day camp to go do all this stuff. But I said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I was like, the only thing that you can take me to is theater camp. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Nora knew what she wanted. Ten-year-old Nora knew what was up. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to talk about the duet by author Karina Halley. I looked it up. It's how she says it. I have (laughs) mentioned her on the podcast before, just kind of in passing, because I was excited about her new book that came out. I finished this duet by this author, and I'm going to talk about it today. Okay, so Karina Halley has been around for a hot minute. I know I'm acting like she's new. I just discovered her. What we are talking about is the Blood Orange slash Black Rose duet. These are vampire dark romance smut books. What I think think is interesting about these books, I think they are a middle ground between... Haunting Adeline does it hurt dark smut and fluffy, adorable, tail wagging, we love you monster smut, which is fantastic. Oh. And I love it. And I will always come back to it. But sometimes, you know, you guys know I like both. I like dark romance. Mm-hmm. I like fluffy monster smut. I wanted something with a little bit of bite. No pun intended. But <laughs> I also I didn't have a lot of capacity for darkness. So these books are about Dracula. These books take place in the modern era. Dracula, of course, being a vampire, is immortal. He's lived forever, or like since the 1600s. I think she has a really cool take on Dracula and that he is a real person with a normal name. Like at first, he's Romanian, but he kind of like assumed, like he started being called this title of Dracula. You know, he kind of owns it, but he's like, it's a little embarrassing. And the reason in this in this universe, the reason that we humans know about Dracula is because he hung out and maybe had with this guy named Bram Stoker who was like really (laughs) obsessed with him because you know Dracula is very like he has a very fluid approach to who he is attracted to so he was like I probably spent too much time with Bram he got a little obsessed with me he wrote a book about me it's whatever he's dead it's fine it's so embarrassing when someone has a crush on you and writes a book about you writes a book about you and then nobody can stop talking (laughs) about you So he's like, he's trying to live his life. So I really need to get past that first chapter of Blood Orange that was set in like the 16 whatever. And I read that first chapter and I was like, I don't know. I can tell. Okay. Let me, let me convince you. Okay. Great. I'm ready. First of all, you're going to have to edit this part because I can't remember if it's Florence or Venice. Venice. What's the Italian city with all the canals? Venice. Venice. Takes place in modern day Venice. (laughs) And Dracula is slowly sinking into the sea. I know they talk, they talk about that in the book too. It's really sad. Yeah. He, he talks about, he's like, I will probably still be alive when Venice disappears. Yes. It's it's really hard, but it's okay. Stay with me. He, uh, he is in modern day Venice. You know, he's an immortal. So he does what he wants. So he just happened to get really good 
at playing the organ. And then he became a classical music professor at a very prestigious music university program in Venice. He is the famous. Yeah. I'm 100% convinced. Go no further. (laughs) Okay. So, so it's, there is a very intense kind of, kind of a dark academia vibe, but with like Venice flair, you know, there's like water canals and it's, you know, it smells weird. I don't know. It's Italy. No, it's it cool. does. No. So yeah. I've been to Venice. Can't confirm oh weird smelly water. But also, yeah. if you haven't been to Venice and you're like, what the heck is she talking about? Watch <laughs> those uh, James Bond movies. With there Daniel you go. Craig. That's right. The Casino Royale. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Watch that one. All right. So this that's the main setting of this book. However, as Jane has alluded to, this book is about Dracula and his reincarnated lost love. Dracula lives his life knowing that he had a love in the 1600s and something terrible happened and she died. And that's the first chapter. I'm not spoiling anything. And then somehow, mysteriously, she is reincarnated and he has this moment where it's, you know, it's 400 years later and he's like, I know her nose. Her hair is the same shade of red. Her eyes, like, it's her. Like he's walking down the street in London and he sees her and he's like, it's you. You're back. And it's just like, oh, it's so romantic. And she doesn't know who the <laughs> and fuck she is. she doesn't know because she's reincarnated. She's like, okay. sir, please oh, quit following man. me. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> Why spoiler, are you staring at me? Why are you staring at me? But what's interesting is that when she is reincarnated, she she doesn't understand what's going on. But she can't stop this insane physical attraction to this man that she cannot get out of her mind. So like in Victorian London, she is just drawn to him. She dies. This motherfucker loses his the love of his life twice. So when we officially meet Dracula, he is he's kind of done with love. He's, yeah. He's over it. <laughs> he's not going to sleep. He's not going to fall in love with any more more. Because, yeah, he also, besides be over immortality at that point, he kind of is. Yeah, he's he's a he's damaged. You know, he's got some damage. Just like we like him. (laughs) Just like (laughs) I like him. So besides being a prestigious music professor in Fancy Pants Venice, he also runs a vampire club where consenting mortals sign up to go in and have crazy sex, public sex with vampires, but also let vampires feed off of them. But then the vampires have very strict codes in place to make sure that nobody gets hurt. It's dark. But it's hot. It's yeah, it's it's very hot. You guys. (laughs) So Dracula is a guy trying to do the right thing. He's trying to move his way through the universe as a vampire who knows that he's done with mortal love. Then he meets Dahlia. Dahlia is a witch (gasps) and witches and vampires have a long-standing feud. They fucking (laughs) hate each other. Dahlia is a fucking badass she's like 28 and she's kind of like a vampire assassin she has been trained her entire life to hunt down evil vampires and fucking kill them with her magic bullshit and (laughs) and and it's hard because vampires are you know they're they're fast and strong and they're smart they're hard to kill which is why witches are literally the only people that can kill vampires because they've got their own badass set of weapons or whatever all right so dahlia is sent on a mission to kill Dracula himself. And this is definitely a make or break. I have to do this mission or I'm going to get kicked out of the witch's guild kind of mission. But unfortunately, Dracula is smoking hot. 
And <laughs> I hate it when the big bad that it. I have to kill is smoking hot. Oh, Fortunately, no. Dracula, not only. What I'm am just, I to do? What am I to do? <laughs> so, okay. So Dahlia does a very careful job of glamoring her features so that nobody can look at her and see her true self. It's kind of, it's a oh, little bit of magic, okay. but you know, you just kind of have to go with it. So they can look at her and be like, oh, that's a redhead with green eyes. Cool. But they couldn't pick her out of a lineup necessarily. Oh, like if I was an eyewitness to a crime. Got it. Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You'd be like, there was a redhead. Head, uh, they were yay high. Know. They were yay high. IDK. They definitely had two arms and two legs. <laughs> they were <laughs> ambulance. That's all I got. All right. So she goes to this university. She happens to be an accomplished organist and she is passionate about oh. music. So Dracula is her professor. There's a whole lot of some dark academia stuff there too. It's hot. She knows that he is her professor. Like this is her oh, yeah. in. No, she that him? is her in. Yes. Yeah. She's like, I have to kill Dracula. How can I get close to him? I know. I happen to be an organist. I will take his organ class. You know what? Okay. Obviously the organ is one of the trickier instruments to fake your way through in order to kill an immortal being. Because you know. Yeah. Just it's not like piano where you just have yeah. like regular because you have the multiple layers of the uh -huh. keys depending on what type of organ and then you have all those pedals. They talk about the pedals a lot. Okay. Oh. They, okay. So I feel like Karina Halley either did great research or or she plays the organ or she plays the organ because and and I'm friends with people who have music degrees. I'm friends with people who play multiple instruments. The way that this book talks about playing instruments and performing instruments is very similar to the way that my musical friends talk about it. And okay, good. You know, I was wondering that's the first thing that draws yeah. me out of a book me if too. it involves music. <laughs> Music, but it's by someone who doesn't know anything about music. Yes. Yeah. Then I'm immediately drawn out of the story and I DNF. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's fair. I, that was my initial thought when you were like, he's an organ professor. I was like, like oh mm. no. And, and <laughs> I, am a, I am a lay person. I only I was friends with musical people. I went to their recitals, but I don't <laughs> actually, you know, I didn't have a recital myself, but it felt realistic to me as an outsider. I was like, okay, she. I feel like she did her research. Either she did her research or she knows what she's talking about personally. So mm -hmm. that felt, that actually Good. added a depth to the story that I really appreciated. The problem is Dahlia has an inexplicable attraction. She can't quite get Dracula out of her head. Somehow they seem to connect on a deeper level. <laughs> hmm. I wonder why. Mysterious. I wonder why. How mysterious. <laughs> this is a fated soulmate book. The smut is real good. And okay, so here's the thing. If you are, you like the dark edge of dark romance, but you don't want to feel, I, I don't know, there's a little bit of a point of aggression that sometimes can turn people off from dark romance. Mm -hmm. This does not have that. This has all the hotness, but the romance is there and it's really romantic. So there's like beautiful, I love you romance and then there's like some nasty blindfolded shit in a professor's yeah. office 10 minutes yeah. before you're supposed to walk on for your recital like <gasps> that might work actually i know it's help with mm. nerves yeah, i mean she I was, was real happy afterwards thing. so <laughs> it messed up her hairdo but it was fine it sounds like it sounds like to me this is more of like a dark academia romance yes. than yeah. the actual dark romance yeah i mean they do some Which stuff i'm into i love 
dark academia yes romance. so this this I is a perfect dark academia so you know i i didn't have to examine the depths of my own personal soul <laughs> reading this. Right. You know? i didn't have to ask any questions about my own trauma i just got to enjoy things and then you know and then it was lovely and romantic However, the first book ends on a massive cliffhanger that I did not see coming at all. Oh, I and love a cliffhanger if book a, two is readily available. It was yeah. massive. <laughs> and book two, Black Rose, is readily available. I would encourage you not to read the description of book two, Black Rose. Just don't do it. Don't Just do it. Just hop right in. Just do start yourself the book. a favor. If you're like, oh, that sounds cool. Just read it and then go from there. Y'all are just like ruining this for me because you keep reviewing books that I want to read. And like, I also need to read books to review for this podcast. So how am I supposed to read books that you haven't read, but also these wonderful books? Okay, don't read, don't read Jane's recommendations. Read mine because I want to talk to you about it. It's really good. Okay. 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 We'll we'll start there. Okay. Um, I was gonna say don't sleep, but like, oh, sure, well, we can cut that's not the equation. Don't sleep. Uh, okay. So before I kick it Maybe over, don't to... go see Taylor Swift. Oh, that's not that's gonna not gonna happen. Before I kick it over to Nora, I want to say that I'm super excited about Karina Halley's new book, A Ship of Bones and Teeth. Um, Ooh, love that is, title. Oh, yeah. It sounds so cool. Sexy, scary, dark mermaid smut. Yes, uh-huh. I love like creepy mermaids. Cannot wait to read it. Based on my experience with the Blood Orange duet, I think it's going to be a good one. Nora, tell us what has been haunting your dreams lately. What Book-wise. has been haunting my Just dreams? Books. Don't tell us anything weird. Just books. <laughs> I was about to say, I took a nap today and I had a dream about like demon ghosties. Okay. I mean, that that could be a cool book. Yeah, I like that. (laughs) So my last mood wheel spin was for me to read a nonfiction book. And it was, oh gosh, I don't even remember what you guys chose. Unimportant. (laughs) It was a book that I straight up said, guys, I'm not going to read that. The moment we stopped recording, Craig disappeared from the screen. (laughs) And Nora was like, I'm not fucking doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not reading that. But instead, Jane recommended a book to me that I should read. Unfollow is about the Westboro Baptist Church. And yeah. So I remember like hearing about them, but I don't think I ever did like a deep dive into it. So this book, it's written by Megan Phelps Roper. We knew she was like a member, but she's actually the granddaughter of the man who founded Westboro Baptist Church. Oh. Yeah, because the thing about Westboro is it's basically a family. Like, yes. that's the thing about these extremist sort of religious groups is they tend to be like one giant quiverful movement sort of family so there's like a ton of them westboro if you don't know like wow bless you you're better off but they're known for picketing soldiers funerals gay Mm -hmm. people all this stuff they're hateful against basically everybody who's not basically everybody who's who's not in westboro and so honestly what jane just said pretty much just summarized the first 45 percent of the book which is why it took me so long to like get there because it was just 
all about the picketing. That's hard. Mm -hmm. And the things that disturbed me was like how young, like you've got kids out there picketing and like holding up signs that say like hateful things. Yeah, the F word uh, in relation to gay people. Like you have a child holding up a sign that's like God hates F. Yes, God hates F. It's such a disturbing juxtaposition. it, It is because... I, I personally am a Christian, and so to see other people who call themselves Christians behave this way in such a hateful manner was just like, ugh. Like, it was just, it's hard to read. I kind of wanted, like, the weird stuff. Like, the weird the weird stuff that happened, but mostly it was kind of dry to me. It's very much, here's kind of what we picketed. Here's how the church started, and here are some Bible verses as to why we did the things that we did. I'm still going to keep reading it because we're kind of starting to get into a little bit more, like, juicy stuff. Like, our Megan is starting to... She started developing feelings for somebody that she met over Twitter because at one point she gets charged of like the Westboro Baptist Twitter. And so she ends up and like you, it's like a words with friends match. And they're like also kind of like messaging through there because she's not supposed to have a boyfriend or anything. And what's gross to me is they're not supposed to have relationships with people outside of the church. So Megan's kind of like, how am I supposed to get married? Because all these people are my family. Oh, and that's so, a legit question, man. Yeah. yeah she's starting to kind of like be like, oh, like her eyes are slightly opening. And I'm at the part of the book where the grandfather was like the head of the church. Obviously, he gets old and it gets passed on to somebody else. Some kind of like sketchy stuff happens. They cut, they take Megan's mom and dad out of the leadership through like some sketchy means. Now it's like where things are starting to get a little more sketchier on her terms in the fact that like things are not aligning with her like biblical beliefs. When I'm like, right. girl, they have not been aligning with my biblical beliefs <laughs> since <laughs> the beginning. This whole thing, yeah. yeah, this whole thing started. But what I have been obsessing over is the Shatter Me series. Yes. And and a part of that is because I have been reading the books and listening to the books while I make my little Taylor Swift friendship bracelets. (laughs) So I'm on the last book. I think that's book seven. It's seven. I mean, I was going to ask you how many books Uh, are in the series because I think I read Shatter Me and then I was like... (laughs) I that was enough for me to know not to commit to the rest of the series. The first one's not the best one. I feel like that said a lot in this type of genre, but <laughs> it's kind of like so dramatic and easy to like listen to and read that it kind of hooked me. I was like, okay, what are we going to do with this? Like, why are people so obsessed with this right now? Because Shatter Me came out years what, 2013, ago, 2014, yeah. something like that. Oh, that was like 10 years ago. Yeah, oh, God. Yeah, it came out years ago, but people are like, like, it's been a big deal on TikTok and Instagram and stuff. And so that's why I was like, okay, why is this such a big deal? Okay, so Shatter Me, (laughs) Shatter Me is written by Tahara Moffey. Love her. Our main character is her name is Juliet. And she has this what she considers a curse. Before I get into all that, this is very much a YA dystopian series. So, like, basically, the world is ending, like, the world is in mass chaos. Mm. We've got what started out as kind of, like, more resistance-type people. They have taken over. But they're, like, the bad guys. They're called the reestablishment. And so, Juliet... I like it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Juliet has the power that when she like skin to skin contact either involves a whole lot of pain, like even if it's just like the briefest touch or like death. So if you touch, if you touch her skin, you can die. So nobody can touch her. She ends up in this like, can I just, I foresee some problems. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to work for me. Yeah. Already. (laughs) So Juliet, despite the fact that like her touching her skin can kill you, she is so emotional and just so like empathetic and just like a very caring person. But also, okay. So when you first get to know Juliet, she's, kind of annoying because she's straight up in like a mental institution and she has been locked up for over a year and so she's got some issues beside the fact that she can't be touched like she can't have human touched her parents put her in this so that she couldn't hurt anyone they like called her a monster you know she's she's got issues She's got issues. She's in this cell and she ends up like all she is is she's writing in her diary. So that's what you get. You get Juliet's journal and it's really chaotic. And that's what turned me off about it at first. But then as you read, you start to see how Juliet is growing. She eventually gets out of the kind of asylum that she's in and is introduced to more people. We find out that more people in the Shatter Me universe have these abilities okay. and some people can touch her. Guess Ooh. what? Okay, I'm back on board. Is? It is a male character. Oh, yeah, can touch her. <laughs> you have and my so, attention regained. So now we actually have not one but ladies and gentlemen i'm reviewing a series so if you do not want me to spoil the first shatter me book go ahead and log off now anyway but we have not one but two men that can touch her and there is nothing that draws me in more than a love triangle and so it gets me you know i'm like oh who's she gonna choose i personally like so and so we're wondering oh are they gonna be able to take over the reestablishment? Can can I just like interject and say that this uh, love triangle in a dystopian world was extremely popular like 10 years ago. So this is very on trend for that for 10 years ago. It it really was. What drew me in is people were like, okay, so if you liked the Hunger Games or if you liked Divergent, you'll love this. And I was like, okay, I was right about that in like 2013. Hell yeah. Everybody and was. so this is yeah yes. I think I think I read Divergent in 2013 yeah. and I it was too. great and then the rest of the series was progressively more and more terrible went, went downhill rapidly very but yeah, yeah that, so this makes sense and what has been fun about reading this so I'm at I will say book three has been my favorite I don't know this as fact but just from when they were published, it looked like the author maybe meant for this to be a trilogy. And then it gained so much, like mm. people liked it so much <laughs> that she went on. Book three was amazing. It has been an adventure. I will say most of the books I think I've rated probably four stars, except for book three that I was like, wow, that was that was a great one. There's, you know, heartbreak. And then we fall in love with somebody else and good things happen. And then there's really good side characters. Oh, that's always good. And 
Juliet just ends up really coming into her own and just like being a badass. Like before she cared so much about like what other people thought, how other people were feeling. And then she just is like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm powerful. I can do this. I'm a leader, period. And so it, it turns out to be very cool. And you start to really like her when at first she was like kind of annoying because, you know, she's this young whiny girl who, I mean, has a lot of trauma. She's in an asylum and, and all that. So that's currently what cool. I have been obsessing over. I'd like uh. to think if I was a traumatized teenager that no one could touch, my parents called me monsters and I've been locked mm-hmm. in an asylum by myself for like a year plus. I like to think that I would come out of that as like a Maleficent type character, <laughs> like a big, like fuck you to humanity. And I'm just I'm going to touch everybody left, right and center. <laughs> and then I become the leader of the reestablishment. And now we're under my regime. And that is maybe why I only read book one of Shattered Me. And then I was like, I think I'm done. Because that's where my vibe is. And that is not where Juliet's vibe was. Yeah, I'm the same kind of vibe. <laughs> Juliet gets to a point oh, that's where, really she really, where she really does become very cool and a leader. But right at that beginning, when you're in like that asylum, she is so, I mean, she's obviously traumatized. Like it's a very, it's a very real life. What like yeah. a real person person would go through and it's like she's also like 18 or 19 and i just think in general people are not angry enough and they do not hang on to their anger long enough cheers (laughs) boom scorpio moon boom hold on to that anger what is very aries i just think we could all strive to be angrier yes and hold on to resentment longer let me tell you this one thing that happens because it is not a spoiler it happens like fairly early on in the series so juliet gets so angry and she her power is more than just it becomes more than just like people touch her and they die or whatever she gets so mad and frustrated about something and she just starts like punching the floor and it just becomes this like entire like cavern and like part and she like destroy shit whoops yeah it's <laughs> an girl lean into that, that. and then it's like she wakes up from that and is like oh i did that and then she starts to feel guilty and i'm like no, no. girl embrace it embrace <laughs> it <laughs> i love this no i support this i at work today had to speak with a male that i did oh, no. not Period. enjoy Di- period. I, I had to speak with the mail and I was End not story. into it. Period. And then I was like, oh, this day sucks. There's nothing to look forward to for the rest of the day. And then I literally had the, well, I could probably piss him off a couple more times. Yeah. And that's worth it to me. Pissing off the establishment a little bit here and there. That's worth living for. So Absolutely. <laughs> Lean into the resistance. I like that a lot. Lean in. But it's a fun read. I won't say it's one of like the best ever, but it's one that will strangely like hook you. Like it has hooked me to where I have been I mean, you kind of convinced me to restart it and make it (laughs) at least to book two. Ah, Because you know what's happening is we're entering into summer and summer is when I really hit my like fluffy book stage, but also like my YA dystopian stage. Yes. I have not. This is a perfect perfect YA dystopian series. I went through a period of my life, 2013 through 2016, where all I read was YA dystopian because that was like, that was it. Everything was that. Yeah. And I kind of got burned out, but it's been long enough that the Mm -hmm. appeal has returned. 
it's like, yeah, that would be burning it to the ground sounds really good. And then yeah. adding it to the apocalypse pile sounds really relatable. Speaking of YA dystopian, I'm on book two of the Scythe series, and book one was mm-hmm. incredible. But yeah. <laughs> every time the Thunderhead, which is like the giant AI that rules humanity, there's no more government, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Every time the Thunderhead mentions how, like, in the age of mortality, this would be like the age that we are currently living in. Like, the age <laughs> of mortality is over. They've eliminated virus and accidental death and all this stuff. And the, people no longer, like, need to work like robots and AI do it all. So people are just mm-hmm. out here existing and not dying and just doing essentially whatever they want. And I'm reading these books oh, with, like so much, or... with so much jealousy in my yeah. heart <laughs> for, <laughs> for what's happening. And, and so these characters are like living their sort of mundane so lives hard. where they're not participating in capitalism. <laughs> they can just pursue whatever to their heart's desire. When they reach a certain age, they can just reset their age and start all over again. And I just, I'm so immensely jealous of this situation. This is like where our world has put us today, where I'm reading this and I'm so mad that like, I don't live in the future. But a scythe could show up and be like, "Eh, it's your turn. They could show up today right now. And I'd be like, this is fair. (laughs) (laughs) This is our millennial millennial burden that we're like, take me out. Honestly, no, I'm, over, I'm <laughs> over here like, okay, well, I could die car wrecks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, <laughs> you know, anytime I get on an airplane, I always have a moment. Where I assess my life up to the point. I'm always like, you know what? Uh, it's been pretty good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. know, in an airplane, something that happens in the air, you're going to go so quickly. Oh, yeah. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Got a trip planned for September, so remind me of that. I read that book like six years ago, and I didn't even have that moment where I was like, yes. you're younger than us. Well, well no, 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 that, six no, years the, ago, we were all different people. We were hopeful. Oh, yeah. We were. Like, yeah. Things were so much better six years Can ago. Can you imagine? Okay, how long ago was six years ago? Somebody do math. Jane. What year was six years ago? 2017. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I think I I read it in 2018. So five years ago. Okay. So you've seen some stuff, but it was all pre-COVID. Pre-COVID is the thing. Pre-COVID life is great. Yeah. We had no idea. 2020 to now has just been one continuous year. Add it to the apocalypse pile. Throw it on. Who cares? I'm so so, like numb to things these days that I'm just like, and I I like, honestly, I think if a site showed up right behind me right now, I'd just be like, well, guys, this has been fun. Someone else is going to need to edit this. Uh, This is probably a good one. We're done recording. Take me. (laughs) So you know what? Sometimes a good dystopian thriller series is exactly what we need. Listeners, readers, if you have managed to make it this far into our dystopian hellscape of a two-hour-long podcast, now it is time for the mood wheel. Jane, I have not been paying attention. Who are we wheeling for today? We are wheeling for Nora. Hell yeah. Okay. Miss Tay Tay fan number one. Yeah. The Swifty. Ooh. What'd you get? What'd you get? Thriller slash mystery. Fun. Okay. 
I, okay, I have to say, looking at your list, that I rated the guest list as one of the worst books I read last year. OMG. <laughs> I forgot about that. You can keep it on there. You can reach it. But, like, I, in good consciousness, cannot recommend that one. Was that the one where you were like, I would be okay if they, if they shuffled all off this mortal coil? Yeah, yes. cool. Okay. Yeah, let's not do that one. Okay. Nora, do you have any input on any of the titles on this part of your list? I've also read Once There Were Wolves, and I thought it was amazing. One time, yeah. for a mysterious I, reason, that one. I was supposed to read that, and then I did not, and then I lied about it. <laughs> but it was I, very popular. I am most interested in Hive. It is on Kindle Unlimited, and Once There Were Wolves. Okay. Let's go with Hive, because since I just finished reading yeah. a bee-based horror book, yep. I'm like... Give me more. Let's do it. Cool. Lean in. Love it. Hive. Perfect. Okay. The mood wheel has officially spoken. We definitely know what we're doing. This is perfect. I'm so proud of this. <laughs> if you have made it this far, give yourself a little star sticker. You can probably buy those <laughs> at your local uh, dollar store. We will not be or providing Amazon. That. Or Amazon. Well, in honestly, in this capitalist hellscape, there's nowhere you can go to get a gold star sticker that is not supporting capitalism. So just like, just own it. It's fine. Draw your own. Draw your own gold star <laughs> sticker. Readers. You got it, friends. You got it. Readers, listeners, if you've made it this far, we're so proud. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining us today for Book Club with Mood Readers Podcast. I have been your friend, Emily Bronte, with my friends, Jane and Nora, and we will see you next time at Book Club. Goodbye. Jane, Emily, and Nora would like to thank Benji for the theme music. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at mood.readers.podcast.